And the reason generally is they didn't pick up the steps or the decisions along the way. Is that cool? So we're going to have a look this morning at, at what are some of the important decisions that we need to make along the way to help us have healthy marriages. Uh, firstly, if you're going to have a healthy marriage, we need to make a decision about what's important. If you want to have a healthy marriage that lasts the distance, you'll need to make decisions on what's important for you and your spouse. Uh, in other words, you'll need to make decisions about what is the priority in your relationship. Now, for me, there's been a lot of changes in the way that society and, and culture is, you know, especially just even in my lifetime. So I thought I'd actually go back and do a bit of research and actually look at how marriages have changed over the last 30-odd years. Have we got a slide? I did a beautiful graph for you all because I love, I love graphs. Oh, can you guys all see that? So... Uh, I jumped on the website, the Australian Institute of Family Studies put out these snapshots of marriage in Australia. It obviously comes from the census data. Uh, it's not super current, but it's up to about 2013. Um, first thing you notice on the left is the average age of people getting married has increased. So in 1970, it was about 22 years of, 22 years of age. Uh, now it's about 29. Uh, I was actually surprised by this. The divorce rate is actually trending down. It actually peaked in about 1978, which was about four years after divorce came legalised, um, and it jumped up. It's, it peaked in about late 70s, and it's been trending down ever since. One of the reasons divorce is trending down in terms of numbers is because a lot less people are getting married. Really significant stat, okay? So just to actually put some info to the numbers, uh, in 1970, about 9.2 out of every 1,000 people would get married in the year 1970, okay? So 9.2 out of 1,000. In 2013, that number was down to 5.1. So that's close to a 50% drop in the amount of people getting married in 2013, okay? Pretty, pretty big sort of trends. So what I'm looking at this morning is not so much uh, any of these individually. And what I mean by that is, if you look at one of these stats by themselves, I don't really think they tell us a lot. If you get married at 22, or 18, you can have a great marriage. Uh, if you get married at 29, or 40, or 55, or 76 like my grandfather did, uh, you can have a great marriage, okay? So these stats individually don't tell us a huge amount. But collectively, I think they tell us a lot. Uh, collectively, I think when you look at the statistics and you think about culture in 2017, it starts to give you a bit of a snapshot of how our priorities and what's important is actually changing. I just want to share how I sort of came to that conclusion, you know? We're getting married older. Why is that? I think a large part of it is because society keeps pushing to us saying, don't get married young. Or, you definitely wouldn't get married young. Who's ever had that conversation with someone? You got married when you were 22? That's crazy, you know? And, but what is the thinking behind that? The thinking behind, the, behind that, from my, from, at least from my perspective, is... You don't want to get yourself tied into something young because it's going to require you to give something to somebody else. It's actually going to require you to give something to somebody. It's not all going to be about you. And you need to try and stay single for longer so that you can focus on what's important to you. You can, you can get your needs met because the most important things, the most important needs to get met are yours. You know, We live in the Netflix generation, which I define as we want exactly what we want and we want it straight away and on demand. You know, 
We don't live our lives thinking about other people. So people generally advise us, don't get married young, get married older, okay? Um, the other thing which is a big, which is, really stands out really clearly is we're getting married a lot less, you know? At 50% less than what we were 40-odd years ago. Why is that? I, just my opinion, I think a large part of it is probably to do with a generation that looked at their parents getting divorced and said, the best way for me to protect what's important to me is to actually not get married. It's really easy to protect your needs, you know, your career, your money, what's in your bank account, you know, your time, if you can actually avoid getting married. It's actually the easiest way to do that. But if we look at Scripture and we look at what the Bible teaches, it's a completely different version, okay? It's a completely different perspective on what our priorities are in life and in marriage. Uh, Ephesians 5, 22 to 31 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as Christ is subject to Christ, sorry, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Good note. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. Okay? We're going to look at this good news and bad news. Uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, that might seem like a bit of a harsh thing to say. You know, wives, submit to your husbands. Girls, it is healthy for you to submit your dreams, your desires, and the things that you're passionate about to your husband, okay? Sub means under. So submit means to put your dreams and your passions underneath those of your husband. Does that sound harsh, all right? But don't stress about it for a second, because then Paul goes on to say, but... Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died. Exactly. So it actually, Paul actually says it like this. Girls, it is good for you to submit your things underneath your husband, your, your things that you're passionate about, the things that are important to you. But husbands, it is good for you to die to the things that are important to you and love your wife and promote her to the same level of authority. I'd actually say that the, the emphasis is actually on men more than it is on the girls. Ugh, that, that was hard. <laughs> Traditionally, we don't like talking about this a lot in church. We, you know, I, I've had the uh, experience of having people come and say to me, doesn't the Bible say wives submit to your husband? And I have to say to someone, yes, it does. And your responsibility as a husband is to actually die to your needs and promote your wife to an equal level of authority. And that's a really hard thing for a lot of guys to actually stomach. Yeah. It's actually, it, it's uncomfortable. That is the way God has put it. Now, the question that this raises is, if I'm going to put my wife's needs before mine and she's going to do the same, what's the point? Like, why don't I just go and do what I want and let her go and do what she wants and we'll all be happy? But the answer is, it doesn't promote connection. It doesn't actually promote relationship between two people. So God has this plan where he goes, you put your wife first and your wife will put you first, 
And ultimately, the end result is that you'll both be happy because both your needs will get met, but we promote connection. We actually promote relationship between a husband and a wife. One pulls people apart, okay? If we just pursue what's important to us, we go off in our own direction and our partner goes off in another. But if we promote each other, what is important to them, it actually brings us closer together. So we actually need to make decisions about what's actually important. There are things in my life <laughs> that I've had to say, it's, it's actually really important that my wife, this goes ahead of what's important to me, you know? And, and I'm not just talking about the small things, but the big things as well, you know, like career. There's been times in our life where I've had to go, my career needs to take a second, a, a back seat, maybe for two years or whatever, to promote my wife and what she's doing with her life and what we're doing with our kids. Does that make sense? So small decisions that we make on the day-to-day that actually impact uh, the overall quality of our marriage. Uh, The second thing that we're going to have to make some decisions about is what is acceptable. Uh, We're going to have to make some decisions about what's acceptable in your marriage. In other words, how high are we going to set the bar? Now, I actually have quite a high value for transparency when it comes to marriage. And what I mean by that is uh, marriages aren't perfect. I'm not sure if you've realised. <laughs> Who, who's got a perfect marriage? Any hands? No, no. Who doesn't have a perfect marriage? Okay, great, great. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. And my point is, we often, we often have this value that we want to look good before we're actually transparent with people, right? So I have a value for transparency. And what that means is, you know, if you're struggling, you really need to tell someone. You really need to ask for help. Is there something that you can't work out? It's actually better for you to come and say, I don't know what the issue is and try and get some help rather than just stick your head in the sand and hope things are going to get better. And so we have to make decisions about what's acceptable and and set standards. But the reason I say this about transparency is because it's a process. You know, my wife and I will be married for 10 years in, in February and our relationship is stronger now than it was 10 years ago. Okay? The standards that we set now are higher than what we set 10 years ago. So if you've been married for three weeks, okay, your standards don't need to be as necessarily as high as someone that's been married for 40 years happily. Does that make sense? So when we make decisions about what's acceptable, put this in your context, okay? If you're going through divorce counselling, don't come and try and apply the same standards that Chelsea and I do to your marriage, okay? We actually have to learn how to set standards that we can actually meet and and actually build strength in our relationship. So we actually have to decide what is going to be acceptable. Um, I think as Christians, though, we need to understand and promote that (laughs) the bar is set pretty high, okay? So as a husband, when I try and set standards in our marriage, the goal for me is to act like Jesus. So whether I'm aware of the fact that I'm currently doing okay or not okay, the standard for how I treat my wife is how did Jesus treat people? Okay, I want to be really clear about that. I want to aspire. Someone said to me once, I'm going to aim for Mars, but if I make it to the moon, I'll be happy. Okay? I want to aspire to be like Jesus, and my wife aspires to be like Jesus. And there's times where we act like people every now and then. Okay? You guys hearing me? But we want to aspire to be like Jesus. But... We're working along the way. So we set the, st- we set the bar high, but ultimately it's going to be up to you as individuals to make decisions about what's acceptable. Uh, we, 
I'm a relatively quiet guy. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, probably not from me being up here all the time, but <laughs> I'm actually a really quiet guy. Uh, I'm not very confrontational. Okay, I think I got that from my mother. She's quite a, she's a lovely, placid lady. Um, but one of the things that we decided pretty early in our marriage is that I don't like losing my temper with my wife, okay? And uh, she's pretty lovely, so it's not too hard. But every now and then, you know, every now and then something comes up and I get really passionate about it. So I made a decision pretty early to say, I'm not going to lose my temper. It's actually unacceptable. I can get passionate and I can even get angry about something, but it's actually not acceptable for me to snap and lose my temper and actually blow up on my wife, okay? That's just a personal standard that I roll with. Now, like I said, for my personality, it actually makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, I, I meet couples and, like, their idea of a, of a discussion is we're going to yell at each other for an hour and there's furniture getting flipped over and there's plates getting broken. And I'm like, I understand that because some people have a tendency in their personalities to do it more. I, I do actually understand that. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the bar that Jesus set. It's not the standard that Jesus set to go, this is acceptable, okay? You might, you might be working through some stuff, but I'd like to suggest that we need to set some higher standards when it comes to our relationship. You'll need to make some standards about what is acceptable conduct in your marriage. Now, I don't, I don't want to go through this because, like I said, everybody's different and everybody's going to have different ideas, but ultimately, you guys need to actually make some decisions. Uh, James... Chapter 1, 19 to 20 says this. Uh, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, quick to hear. Let him be slow to speak and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, like I said, you guys can work out for yourselves what's, what is acceptable and determine where in your relationship you actually are. But... The sort of behaviour that doesn't actually promote, you know, fear, anger, anxiety. If we allow these things in our marriage that promote fear and anger and anxiety, it's not going to lead to a healthy marriage. And that's what James says. James says, be quick to hear, be slow to anger, because these things do not produce the righteousness of God. You'll actually need to make some decisions about what is good and what is acceptable in your marriage. Uh, and I wanted to save the, just the best for last it's a, pretty simple, it's a pretty simple message this morning, right? Put your spouse before yourself. Be kind to her. Girls, be nice to your husbands. Promote them. Uh, and I just want to spend a few minutes talking about this. Uh, finally, my last point is this. Uh, what about sex? Uh, just give me a minute. I need to take a drink here and just prepare myself, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, tip one, hydration is important. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> if you're going to have to make some decisions about sex. Now, <laughs> Genesis 2, uh, 20 to 24. I, I really love this story. Uh, so it's the story of, of Adam and Eve right, right in, the, in the second book of Genesis. It says, from verse 20, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not a suitable helper comparable to him. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I actually love that last verse. Just think about this for a second. Adam and Eve were naked and talking to God about sex, and they were not ashamed. Now, I feel that's probably a step away from maybe where we are at the moment. Uh, Traditionally, church doesn't like talking about sex. And one of the things that my wife and I have noticed, especially when it comes to young people, is the things we don't talk about, you'll normally find they'll have an issue with. So if we teach, if you teach your kids when it comes to dating, if you just tell them don't date, which is actually an important thing they probably need to know when they're young, if you just teach them not to date, when they get older, they're not going to know how to do it. Does that make sense? So if all we teach kids about dating is don't date, we can't be surprised when they get to dating and they don't know how to navigate that well, okay? In the same way, we can't be ashamed to have conversations about sex. We can't just say to our young people, don't have sex, and that be the only thing that they get taught. That was the only thing. I, that was the only thing my parents taught me about sex when I was a kid and when I was, a, you know, like a young teenager. Don't have sex. I remember talking to someone once and uh, someone asked me, so you don't have sex? And I said, yeah, yeah, I don't do it. And they're like, why? So I've got no idea, you know? No, I, I had no idea. So we can't be ashamed, first of all, of actually having a conversation about it. And I don't just mean from the platform, I mean in our day-to-day lives, in the conversations that we have, we can't be ashamed to talk about it. Um, <laughs> healthy marriages have regular sex, Okay. I don't, want to, I don't want to go and put this off in, in you know, I'm going to just talk about it, put it in another box. Healthy marriages have regular sex. Uh, this can be challenging, you know, for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, most of the time, Chelsea and I are spending time with young families. And who knows, it can be really hard to have a healthy sex life when you've got kids running around all the time. Any hands up? Come on, I know you guys are feeling it. <laughs> Not all years, but some years, especially the ones with young kids. Um, but we can't shy away from this because it's uncomfortable to talk about, okay? Uh, healthy marriages are having regular sex. Uh, one of the things that I went and did a bit of research on uh, was the Bible talks about sex, and it's a big part of, of Jewish culture, okay? So obviously most of the people that actually wrote the Bible were Jewish. And so there's these passages that talk about sex, and for us, we just go, oh, you know, yeah, that, that happens and we kind of don't talk about it because what we do hear about is pretty negative. But I just, just want to think about this for a second. If you, were, if you were Jewish, this is how you were brought up talking about sex. Uh, you would go to weddings, okay? Who's been to a wedding here? Who's taken their kids? Hey, yeah, I know, I've taken my kids to a few weddings. Uh, you would go to a wedding and there would be a wedding ceremony, okay? Really awesome. And then when the wedding ceremony was finished, the couple would go to a room, which was basically a room with some sheets up, okay? And they would go to consummate the wedding. And so they're in a room with a few sheets and you're all just standing around having, you know, having a glass of water, having a coffee and snacking on the cheese platter. And they're in there doing the business, right? Okay? And then when they're done, through various different means of letting everybody know, everybody celebrates. Everybody gets up and cheers about it, okay? 
This is actually how, if you actually read the Bible, you know, there are passages about this. There's, there's whole sections in Deuteronomy that talk about how the different scenarios that work out with the wedding and sex and how it's, you know, they have people that go, well, I've got a question with this, they need to take it to the priest. Like it was so open and discussed. Very different to how Western culture and Western society talks about sex. So if you were a Jew, you are brought up understanding that sex is not something to be ashamed of and it's actually something that we celebrate. It's actually something that is important to us. Now, there's a few things out of this passage in Genesis that I think are actually really important. You can't separate the discussion from marriage and the discussion from sex, okay? So if you're talking about young people and you're talking about dating and the topic of sex comes up, you can't actually take it away from a discussion about marriage. Society would convince us that you can, but I want to say that you can't because it says very clearly in Genesis 2 that a man will leave his mother and father and be bound to a woman and the two will become one flesh. Now, I've said this before, I'm not a scientist, but I'll let you guys just interpret how the two of you are going to become one flesh, right? So, you guys will work that out, come on. <laughs> so, you can't take the discussion from marriage and take it away from the discussion about sex, alright? And on the flip side of the coin, we can't sit down with married couples and say, how is your marriage going without having a discussion about sex? Does that make sense? We, we can't go to young people and go and talk about sex without talking about marriage because the two go hand in hand. So we can't expect people to have healthy marriages and not expect them to have healthy sex lives. Okay? You can't just pick and choose one. But the way that society is, we tend to do that. We tend to shy away. And like I said, it's not, something that just, it's not just about the discussions that we have from the platform. It's about the discussions that we have in the cafe and in a way where we can celebrate people and celebrate healthy sex lives without going into too much information, okay? Is that cool? Like we can't, I understand this, people don't want to know details and I'm not here to give details on anything, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> but we can't, we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have to acknowledge that these things actually go hand in hand. And I thought, <laughs> I probably should have put a fourth point in here somewhere. I'm going to, I'm going to end on this. Uh, God actually created for a reason. God, I need you guys to laugh with me. God actually created sex to be fun for a reason. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, essentially, when God was creating people, he, he'd, already created all the, he'd already created everything else, right? You know, the animals, the birds, the reptiles, the fish. He could have created you guys to lay an egg. Think about it. He could have gone, it was good for everybody else. Maybe I'll just get you guys to, you know, do something else. Who knows? Like, you guys have seen the Discovery Channel. Maybe I could have got you guys to do something else. But instead, he actually thought it was a good idea to create sex for people and actually make it fun. Think about that. He thought that was a good idea. He thought that was a perfectly good idea. And so we actually need to, we need to remember this, Okay. It's actually God's idea. It's not my idea. I'm just the poor guy that has to come up here and tell all you guys about it. Come on. Come on. We actually have to have a discussion about it. 
And I'll tell you why, because if we're too ashamed to talk about it, our kids won't know what to do about it, and the world out there will be telling our kids about sex. And that's not how I want it to happen. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be really clear about that. It can't be something that we push under the rug because it's too uncomfortable to talk about it. It was God's idea to create sex. It was God's idea to make it fun. And so if we don't understand it and celebrate it, how can we pass it on? So <laughs> I'm, going to try and, I'm going to try and land the ship here, all right? Uh, this is not the sort of thing, you know, my, my prayer this morning is that things would be brought to light, okay? We're not going to have a public discussion about the topics that I've brought up, you know? What, what you choose to be acceptable, what you guys choose is important in your life. We're, we're not going to have a public forum on, on these items, all right? But I really want to bring it to light. And, and the context for these discussions will be different, you know? Maybe it'll be catching up with someone and, and sharing a meal together. Maybe you might need to actually go and ask someone and go and have a private sit-down conversation in a room somewhere else, okay? But these things need to be brought to light. We need to celebrate sex. We need to celebrate marriage and actually involve and promote healthy discussions and healthy marriages. Does that make sense? So... If you have questions, uh, which inevitably I think we all do, if you have questions, if you need help, uh, as a team, we actually are here to support you, okay? There are pastors and leaders here for young people and for older people. Um, If you're 60, I'm probably not the guy to ask, but we have people like Barry and Charmaine that are really important to our church and it it can answer questions. So if you have issues, please bring them up please, I really encourage you guys to sit down and and actually talk with someone about it because we have a vision of influencing our world for good and for God and if we can't deliver on a vision of healthy marriages, which is the the foundation of society, how can we offer, how can we promote a better world to society? You guys good? Why don't you close your eyes, we're going to (laughs) pray. Oh, man, I should have prayed this at the start. You know, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Jesus, we, we thank you that it was your idea to create marriage and relationships and sex. And, uh, and we honour you for that. And Father, we want to be known as a church that celebrates healthy relationships, a church that celebrates healthy marriages. And so, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work in the lives of every person across the building, whether they're single, whether they're married or engaged. Father, we just pray that you would start to highlight issues and start to guide us into having healthier relationships and healthier marriages. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would be at work to just bring to the surface the issues that people know that are there. Father, we know that... We know that your Holy Spirit is at work that convicts us of our sin and convicts us where we've set the bar too low. And so, Father, this morning I pray for grace over people right across this building to have a passion to pursue a better marriage, to pursue healthier relationships, a healthier single life. And, Father, we just pray that people be blessed across this building. We pray for marriages that they would be restored, that they would be strengthened, and that you would start to guide us and teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's-